And the title of this evening's uh, discussion is going to be Conduct Yourselves as Wise. Conduct Yourselves as Wise. And we're going to start by reading verses 10 through 12 of James 3. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So words are the most powerful thing in the world. They can either start a war or they can end a war. And we should definitely be at war with ourselves and constantly be fighting against the temptation with our mouth to always get the last word in. And we could all definitely use God's help when it comes to the words we say. And often I have allowed words come from my mouth that are dishonoring and displeasing to the Lord and also very hurtful to others. Um, one of the most frustrating things to me is whenever I'm walking into a situation that I know I'm going to be frustrated in and I'm telling myself, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. And the second I walk in, it's the very first thing that comes out of my mouth. Um, so there's definitely a battle um, within our mind against the words that we say and against the words that we should not say. The only way we can ever begin to gain more control over our tongue is to fill our minds with God's Word and to ask the Holy Spirit to help guide the words that come out of our mouth and also to keep the words in that should not come out of our mouth. If I was to go to the ocean and be upset because every time I drink the water, it was salty, you would say that I'm ridiculous, and that would be an absurd thing to think. And this is basically what the writer, what James is saying here. How can the same mouth bless God, and yet that mouth also curses men? We should daily be asking God to assist us in our battle against the tongue. In verse 13, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. So what does it mean to be wise? According to Webster's Dictionary, wise means marked by deep understanding, keen discernment, and a capacity for sound judgment. And James is asking a question in this verse, but it really leans more towards being a statement. He's saying that if you have wisdom and understanding, that this is the thing that you are going to do. You are going to show your wisdom and understanding by showing good conduct. So to explain what conduct means, conduct is the way in which you present yourself to other people. There is good conduct and there is also bad conduct. And the only way we can truly have good conduct is to allow God's word to shape who we are. God tells us that love is patient and love is kind, love does not lie, and love does not boast. And these are just a few examples of what good conduct is shaped by. So if we're going to show ourselves as wise and present ourselves in a way that shows good conduct, then there is something else that goes hand in hand with it. Because he goes on to say that his works 
are done in the meekness of wisdom. So that does bring us to ask another question. What exactly is meekness? Meekness could be described as being gentle. And meekness is also not being cocky or arrogant. So what James is telling us is if our works and how we live are truly in good conduct, then they are going to be stamped by the seal of meekness and wisdom. And as an example, if I was to help someone that didn't have very much money, so I bought them food and gave it to them and then took a selfie with them to post on Instagram to show what a great person I am, that would not be showing meekness at all. If I was going to tell someone about Jesus, I wouldn't come at them being all prideful and arrogant about the fact that I knew the truth and they just weren't getting it. I would need to be gentle and tell them very compassionately that unless they repent and turn from their sins that they are going to suffer God's wrath. In 14 and 15 we read, But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. So if you eat something that's bitter, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And we don't want anything to do with anything that tastes bad. To have bitter envy against someone would be to have a resentful attitude against another person. He goes on to say, we are boasting and lying against the truth if we have self-seeking in our hearts. Um, this is another thing that is very frustrating whenever you are doing something and you're fighting against that, doing it for yourself. It's amazing to me that we can do things that look great on the outside and we're helping people, but deep down in our hearts, we're actually doing it for ourselves. This is something I definitely have to fight against quite often. If we're only doing something for someone because we might get some praise from them, then we are sinning and we are not presenting ourselves in a manner of love. If we do anything for anyone with selfish intent, only to get something out of it for ourselves, then this is not something that comes from God. He tells us that this kind of thinking is worldly and it's demonic. And this is some very strong language that he uses here, so we should take a careful note of it. If you are not acting in good conduct, then the opposite of this is actually evil. And we should always ask ourselves this question when we are doing something for someone. Am I doing this for myself or am I doing this for Jesus and the other person? Again, sometimes we can start off doing something with bad intentions, but then we realize within the process that we need to change our minds and ask forgiveness. And sometimes we really struggle with this because nobody else sees, right? Um, the only person that knows what's going on within our mind, within the mind of man, is God. So even if everything looks good on the outside, we're doing these great things, the conduct of the mind needs to reflect 
how the Spirit would want us to walk out and do things. And something that helps with this is the fact that God knows all things. He knows what you're thinking, and he knows why we are thinking it. God cares about our heart's motive. If we have a healthy fear of God, it will actually help us to do the right thing, even within our minds. Even whenever no one else knows what you're thinking, God helps us to think the right way. In 16, he says, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So if we are envious of praise from other people, and we're always out for ourselves in some way, but then there is nothing but evil at the center. And hearing this can be hard, and it hurts a lot, but this very basic truth, I think, is exactly what we need. Because if we know just how bad we can be, just how selfish we can be, and how bad loving ourselves is, at that point we can recognize that we need God's help. There is nothing good about putting yourself first, and that actually comes naturally to us because we are sinners. We are born this way. And we are selfish. It's not all discouragement. Because God does not leave us within this condition to fight against the flesh, to fight against pride, to fight against arrogance. He doesn't leave us to fight against those things on our own. Each and every believer that is believed that Jesus is their Lord, that he died on the cross, was buried, and rose on the third day, every single believer has the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides inside each and every child of God. And we have 24-7 assistance from the Holy Spirit. We are never without him. If it is 3 o'clock in the morning and we are laying in our beds and we're the only ones awake, and it's dark. We are not alone. Jesus knew that without the Holy Spirit that we would be completely unable to walk in the way that he wants us to walk. We could never do this on our own. And the disciples Believers did not go out in power until after the Holy Spirit came. I think about this quite often, that Jesus said, it is better that I go away because when I go away, I will send the helper. And that would have been confusing for the disciples because here they have God in the flesh right in front of them, and yet he's saying it's better that he's going away. I just... This is always in the back of my mind, that one spot. And I think if we, we start to truly grasp that idea, that thought, that knowledge, and it makes it from our heads to our hearts that God, his spirit lives inside us and is always helping us, it will radically change everything about us. And mostly it will change the conduct within our mind and then when our conduct changes within our mind, the outward conduct will be genuine. So yes, we will sin in some way every single day, 
But through time, as you grow in the Lord, you begin to act and you begin to think more like Jesus. Jesus was a servant to all those around him. He was never selfish, and he did not just look out for himself whenever he lived on this earth. In fact, Jesus gave up so much more than all the people in the world combined ever could. He left his throne and took on flesh. And the fact that he humbled himself and became a man just blows my mind. Jesus asked his disciples, is the servant greater than the master? We are not better than Jesus in any way, in any shape, in any form. Jesus said, if you love me, then follow me. We know that we can't be perfect, but we should lay down our lives for other people and serve all those around us. We should give up our time for others, and in doing so, we should never be expecting anything whatsoever in return for it. In 17 and 18, he says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So godly wisdom purifies your mind. It purges out the self-seeking that is in our lives, and then it fills it with peacefulness and gentleness. This kind of wisdom makes us willing to yield. And this can be yielding or giving up our own ways for God's ways. And this could be yielding our own resources and our own time for the sake of others. When we are exercising this godly wisdom, we are going to have to sacrifice our own wants and our own desires. If we're going to love others, then we will not show partiality against other people. And when we love people like Jesus loves people, it isn't going to matter what kind of clothes you wear, what kind of car you drive, where you live, how you look, and so on. We are going to be loving everybody the same. And I do pray that we would love everybody that we come in contact with with the same love that Jesus has loved us with. That is an everlasting love. That is an unending love. That is a sacrificial love. So how can we not want to be more like the one that gave up everything for us so that we could live? Because of our love for Jesus and what he did, we are then going to follow him and how he cared for others. If you have been born again and follow Jesus, then you have a mission each and every believer in this room has a mission from God. And our mission is to do the works of God. So what does this look like? We can do this by putting other people before ourselves, but we've got to make sure we're always doing this with gentleness and compassion. We are going to promote peace, and we are going to make peace. And the best thing that we can do to promote peace is to tell other people 
to tell our friends and family, to tell strangers about Jesus because he is the source of peace. He is the Prince of Peace. So we should tell people about the love of Jesus and we should show the love of Jesus by how we conduct ourselves in this world. We want people to be able to look at us, to look at our lives, to look at how we act, how we respond, and then be able to ask us for a reason for the blessed hope that is in us. But that only comes by walking closely to the Lord. We want people to be able to look at us and see Jesus. We want them to know that we are children of God. So, that being said, I will uh, close with prayer. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Uh, I thank you for my fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord and them being here this evening, and for those that um, could not be here this evening. I thank you for um, giving your Holy Spirit to us and giving us assistance as we walk through this world. Um, the world is very dark, but uh, quite frankly, the darker the world is, the brighter the light becomes. So I pray that we would walk in light, um, that we would love one another, that we would love strangers, that we would love our enemies, and that we would conduct ourselves in a righteous and holy manner before you most of all. Thank you for the free gift of salvation through faith in your son Jesus. And uh, I thank you that we are eternally secure in your hands. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.